My name is Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. <laughs> that's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences in our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms, not for all dads, not fathers and moms, for all moms. It's going to be a good old time. You guys are going to want to stick around. Promise. So subscribe. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories, India's very own travel podcast, where each week we share the journey of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you, our listeners. Hey guys, welcome to an all new episode of the Musafir Stories. We are really excited to be talking to a journalist for the first time on our podcast today. Raja Tubhaikar is a business journalist who has covered the length and breadth of India on trucks and highways. Let's find out more from Rajat. So with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Rajat Ubhaikar from Mumbai. Rajat, we're so glad to have you and uh, we, we usually talk to a lot of travel bloggers. So it's uh, one of a kind for us now talking to a journalist. We feel a little more uh, mature in one way now, but uh, really, really happy to have you on board. And uh, thanks so much for being a part of the Musafir Stories. Thank you so much, Seth, for having me over. It's a pleasure to share my experiences of the road on this podcast. Thank you so much, Rajat. We also look forward to a wonderful conversation. But um, before that, I'd like to request you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, your trust with travel and uh, journalism. They kind of, uh, I think, interleaved in some way for you, right? So tell us a little bit more about that because the intro I gave was quite concise. Yeah. So basically, I trained as an engineer at IIT Kanpur. Okay. Then, of course, I did a job at a consultancy as the standard thing. Mm-hmm. Then at some point, I pivoted to journalism because of a desire to travel, actually, mm. in a way, like to get uh, to get to see the world as much as possible outside of a desk job. Sure. So uh, yeah, that was the uh, motivation behind becoming a journalist to meet more people, mm. get new perspectives. And yeah, travel sort of was perfect for that particular objective. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, for, for uh, those of you wondering and uh, a little, uh, I think, stunned as to uh, why we're not discussing a destination and why this is completely different. Uh, this is because uh, um, I recently came across um, Rajat's, one of Rajat's pieces about um the life of truckers, right, uh, or lorries also as we refer to them as um, in India, their lives and um, kind of documenting them and uh, by going on a journey uh, across the pretty much the entire uh, length and breadth of India. Uh, so it was it seemed very, very intriguing and uh, very interesting as well uh, because um, uh, this is usually people uh, who have been, um, I think, dramatically stereotyped and uh, stigmatized by society, right? Uh, people just yes. don't even look at them as people uh, they just consider them as a part of that truck right so uh, yeah. we don't really delve into that and it was really really heart-wrenching some of the stories that Rajas discovered and uh, that's why we wanted to bring that side of life as well to you by uh, sharing those wonderful stories with Rajat and uh, hence this episode and uh, we only have Rajat to thank for so Rajat will take us on this journey 
along with him across the length and breadth of India, where he um, went along with a friend on most occasions. So, Rajat, um, just to give some orientation, like, uh, why, why don't you draw out your route for us and uh, mm-hmm. tell us the uh, stretches that you did on trucks during this journey? Yeah. So, I started out from Mumbai, mm-hmm. which is my hometown. And from there, I got onto a truck for Delhi. Like, I arranged somehow because it is ridiculously difficult to find a truck in large cities because it's like so crowded sure. and impersonal. No one cares and no one stops. So, my aim was to go to Delhi, mm-hmm. but I stopped in Udaipur for various reasons. From Udaipur, I went, I hitched on another truck, went to Jaipur, which is around 400 kilometers mm-hmm. from Udaipur to Jaipur. And the thing was, I did not know what my next destination is going to be. Okay. It was not a planned trip. Uh-huh. So the destination was decided based on what the trucker whom I managed to hitch with his destination was. So it was unpredictable at every point. So from Jaipur, I found a truck to Chandigarh. So I thought, okay, let's go to Chandigarh. My aim was to just head north mm-hmm. and finally touch Srinagar using whatever route. Like I did, was not particular about that. Right. So from Chandigarh, I then went to Sirhind, which is a town in Punjab. Mm-hmm. And from there, via Pathan Kot, Jammu, I reached Srinagar with a brief detour to McLeod Guns. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was the leg, uh, the North Indian leg of the journey. Okay. And then in the northeast, I started out from Dimapur. Uh-huh. And Dimapur is the commercial sort of capital of Nagaland. Sure. And it is the gateway into the Naga and Manipur hills. Yep. So from Dimapur, I uh, went on a truck to Kohima, mm-hmm. and which is like the capital of Nagaland. Yep. From Kohima and another truck to Imphal. Okay. So this was the northeast leg. It's only like 300 or 400 kilometers, but... Because of the roads and stuff, it seems like an eternity. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, northeast roads are uh, mostly infamous, right? For uh, how well maintained they are. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is pretty bad. But the worst is Kashmir. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Because when I went, just nine months before that, there were the floods. So the roads were all washed out. Mm-hmm. And it was very bad. Okay. And then coming to South India, like this I went uh, some time later. Mm-hmm. South India, uh, I started out from Mumbai, uh, went to Hyderabad. Okay. From Hyderabad, I went to uh, Vijayawada. Mm. From Vijayawada to Rajamundri, like basically the Andhra coast. Right, right. Vijayawada to Rajamundri to Vishakapatnam. Mm-hmm. Then I came back along the Andhra coast again mm. and passed uh, like Kakinada, Nellore. All these coastal towns, sure. like very small town, very in the, there is nothing distinctive about them. There are some small things, but they are not famous towns. Mm-hmm. From Nellore, then I went along to Rayal Sima, which is like a sub-region of uh, Andhra. Yep. Uh, so from there, which is I went to Chittur. From Chittur, I went to Palamnir. Mm-hmm. Palamnir to Bangalore. Mm-hmm. From Bangalore, then I decided to go south towards Tamil Nadu. So from Bangalore, I went to Salem. Mm-hmm. Salem to Madurai. And from Madurai, eventually I touched Kanyakumari. Okay. From Kanyakumari, then uh, I went along the Kerala coast, which is like a huge coast, like 600 kilometers, it just doesn't end. Mm-hmm. So I did the entire Kerala coast, uh, then along Karnataka, and finally Goa, and then Mumbai, back to Mumbai. Wonderful. And uh, any rough idea as to um, how many kilometers you covered as a part of this entire journey on trucks? Yeah, it's around 15,000 kilometers. <laughs> I calculated. And uh, it is not like not all of it was on truck uh-huh. because somewhere, sometimes it's just impossible sure. to find a truck. Yeah. Like for 
one example that i remember is like it was pongal okay in yeah. tamil nadu uh-huh. and i was in namakkal okay and i was like struggling to find like someone to stop yeah. but <laughs> yeah but there's nobody not a soul moving then yeah. one guy finally agreed to take us in mm. because he thought like we were some tamil people who wanted to go home for pongal <laughs> like <laughs> and because the buses are also not working so he took us in okay. but then after that we couldn't get any talk so there were few occasions when uh, it was via bus or whatever desperate means of conveyance sure. <laughs> could find yes we get the sentiment but uh, yeah i think it's incredible that you've uh, managed to pretty much uh, circle the whole of india um, on the on these trucks and uh, it's very different from um, usually what people do right uh, but you you've actually roughed it out going around india to just to get a feel of the life of these um, truckers right the kind of life yeah. lives they lead so i think that's really incredible and uh, kudos to you for uh, having done that and um, just before we jump into like some of the experiences you had um, i also like to touch upon the industry in itself right um, the trucking mm. industry in general if if uh, anyone is wondering uh, why there are so many truck tra- truckers around plying uh, it's it's because most of um, the transportation of goods and material um, domestically i think uh, over 60% i guess right uh, uh, rajat yeah, yeah. is uh, managed by these trucks and uh, uh, that's why you find them uh, i mean as a biker or as a car driver you probably find them as nuisances but uh, they're pretty much the lifeline of um, all of the transportation that uh, is done within the country and and uh, just as a matter of fact like you also mentioned that in uh, one of your pieces that uh, most truck drivers they spend about 8 months in a year right on on the yeah. road in their trucks so it's a grueling grueling job and um I'm, I'm sure uh, the challenges that come with it, even those are not helping in any way. Um, I think on that note, we can uh, get on to a little bit, uh, a little bit of a journey because I saw that mm. you had a number of um, very interesting experiences as you uh, traverse through India. Uh, I wanted to yeah. start off by uh, touching upon. We, we'll we'll take up your uh, the northern leg of your journey first and uh, sure. see if um, there are some interesting tidbits that you found during that leg and uh, what are the kind of experiences you um, went through, Rajat. Yeah. So uh, the first truck that I was in, mm-hmm. the driver was called Sham, and he's like the most dignified man I've ever seen. Like as a truck driver, he's like a key totaler. He was the antithesis of every truck driver <laughs> usually you can imagine. And it, that was a wonderful journey. And he had like the best music taste. He played <laughs> amazing songs throughout. Like he kept us entertained right from the oldies to. punjabi uh, ghazals all kinds of stuff nice. so that leg was pretty and enjoyable mm. then from udaipur to jaipur mm-hmm. this is when i hitched with uh, this party of uh, gujjars okay they were the totally polar opposite like they were actually the stereotyped truck drivers in a way their mm. characteristics were such firstly they were extremely interested in that was <laughs> what they were obsessed with in a way okay. so the first question when i climbed into the vehicle uh-huh. the first question he asked me was you will do you have some porn can you show me something mm. and i said okay sorry but no i don't carry porn around then he said okay he points to my smartphone and says okay you surely must be able to play some on that come on <laughs> so <laughs> so then so yeah so then they told me all about how the business of sex happens on the highways mm-hmm. it's a pretty shady business as you can imagine right this belt between udaipur and jaipur is especially notorious for highway prostitution uh, many of these prostitutes come from nomadic communities who are, who have been basically left behind by modernity like their old lifestyles have been rendered irrelevant sure. in a way mm-hmm. so 
some of them are taken to prostitution where the men in the family then give out the women like it's like the kind of a family occupation so that was the kind of uh, milieu this was in so that that journey was very informative in a way at the same time it was shocking but a lot of fun like i had some drinks with them and it was <laughs> a lot of fun right. i mean not while driving of course like as soon as okay in the night when you are done driving have a few pegs and then you know when you wake up you start driving you don't drive too because they care for their lives as much as is their life at risk actually sure so yeah from jaipur uh, then i headed to chandigarh and i hitched with uh, these punjabi drivers okay reminiscence so, of uh, gadar is it <laughs> oh actually they were not they were sikh but okay. they were not the oh, not sardar ji okay yeah the, the turban turban one sure yeah, they are like the khals amritdhari sikhs and the sahedhari okay. sikhs okay so so yeah they were turbanless sikhs and then uh, so yeah these guys were also unique totally because i learned from them about the whole substance abuse of opium that is one of the biggest problems not in all of india in some parts such as rajasthan and punjab sure. these are the two main areas where uh, the many of the drivers are totally hooked to opium and opium is not like i mean it will kill you like the withdrawal symptoms are so cruel yep. you cannot even bear them so it is like a very serious addiction yeah so, and i think a lot of punjab right not just uh, the truck drivers for that matter um hmm. is faced with this problem right yeah punjab in general has a lot of issues like other drugs are also there like chitta yeah. chitta is like the worst thing over there and yeah. what they have is uh, bhukki okay they call it bhukki okay this is basically poppy husk like the ah, okay. dried seed or uh-huh. dried pod of the poppy plant this is basically organic origin there is mm. nothing synthetic about it unlike chitta Mm. which is like highly synthetic and dangerous so the most interesting part is like this drug is legal in Rajasthan or at least was legal oh. when i went okay. it was legal mm. so pm is like a part of the socio cultural fabric of that region mm. so when a guest will come in your home you have to offer him a glass of a glass of water with some opium dissolved in it like that is like a welcome drink oh, so it is ingrained to that <laughs> level yeah. in the culture itself and in the earlier times the use of this was also restrained like dictated by say traditional wisdom like you have to have it in moderation mm. for good health but mm. now it is being abused, abused like right. totally so the guy i traveled with jorawar mm. he used to buy it directly from the government licensed mm. shops mm. and it was relatively cheap like not very expensive mm-hmm. but highly addictive but thing is it is legal in rajasthan if you like transport it to punjab it becomes illegal mm. so whenever he traveled he was always careful to take the rural roads mm-hmm. and not the uh, high the one which passes through the border checkpoint right. so he was a master at all the rural roads of haryana mm-hmm. he knew all the ins and outs and his owner also knew about his addiction but he said okay and he allowed him to go only along the rajasthan punjab route Okay. because uh, so that was, that is how we could procure it more frequently right right but in return this guy used to transport overloaded marble and kota stone all these things mm-hmm. back because he knew all the rural roads he knew how to evade the tax officials mm. so, so this was like a quid pro quo between them like you have as much opm as you want on this route mm. but you just transport my mal safely so that is how that their whole dynamic was 
so these guys were wonderful i became like very good friends with them because i was there for, with them for one day and one night and then they later invited me to sirind which is their where they lived okay so from chandigarh i went to sirind there i visited their house also mhm we became like pretty good friends on and we related to each other in some weird way like i cannot even explain but <laughs> we became good friends okay so yeah from sirhind uh, then sirhind was the place where which is one of the biggest centers of uh, truck body building right so uh, the truck when it comes out of the factory is is only the chassis the the trade parlance is called chassis sure. it is like just the engine with none of the cabin nothing is there yep then after that these body builders truck body builders mm-hmm. they constructed throughout so i witnessed that whole process it was very interesting like and also the truck art like truck art was also one of the major reasons why i wanted to go on this trip like it has fascinated me always like where do these conventions come from like yeah. you know, they are so faithfully followed everywhere and yeah and uh, very quirky also right uh, yeah. i mean uh, very intriguing and uh, very quirky at times and uh, um, i'm i'm uh, also uh, very interested in seeing those uh, things that are uh, uh, little sayings or uh, little poems and stuff like mm-hmm. that that are written the the back side of the truck right even those are very interesting yeah certainly <laughs> I mean, they make the owner of the truck known to the outsider like who is he what is his personal motto that is the intention behind yeah. painting all this some of them are cliched but many of them are like very original and yeah the cliched ones like uh, buri nazar wale tera muh kala yeah <laughs> then right. there will be like road king road king <laughs> is like the most common because everyone thinks like they are the road king because they are like the biggest beast of the road so like, <laughs> we are the kings of the road literally yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that process i witnessed in sirind Uh, it was very interesting how they make the entire truck. It's a very elaborate process and a skilled sure. one. It requires mm-hmm. a lot of skill to build that. I mean, not many people know that these things exist also, like these workshops where they make trucks. And many people probably think it comes out like that or something. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you why don't you um, like paint a rough picture of us uh, for for us? of the cabin also because uh, i think it's a very interesting place to be in right like, like yeah. as you said it is like a second home for them uh, they spend so much time there and uh, uh, i'm sure uh, some of their personality also reflects in the cabin too right yeah i mean cabins are I mean some of them are extremely uh, plush as hell especially mm. the kashmiri drivers they will have <laughs> okay. they are like the most indulgent as uh, far as truck cab cabins are concerned okay. because If a Punjabi spends one lakh rupees, the Kashmiri will spend two lakh on his cabin only. Okay. So he will have an LCD system. He will have a nice fan. He will have like velvet sofa cushion, and uh, it, they will have radium tape across the cabin so mm-hmm. that the cabin glows in the night. They have all sure. kinds of uh, hidden hidden compartments to hide contraband. <laughs> <They have everything. laughs> so, I mean, uh, it's it's like. Um, interior designing their house right for them uh, i guess totally. that's how they take it up yeah yeah it's like your home or like the w- owner of the workshop he said like it's like choosing a wife or it's like making your own wife <laughs> <laughs> that, that is how important it is yeah it's true so in cabins you will have uh, so the kashmiri drivers uh, mm. so they don't have any uh, depiction of the living creatures Yeah. on the ragam because of the tenet of islam which says sure. that you cannot uh, depict living beings so but the in punjabi punjabi trucks you will find these nice village scenes 
so it varies from depending from place to place in south india they are much less bothered about their interior they are they have sort of a utilitarian attitude towards <laughs> their trucks not the kind of passion like the north indian drivers are like super pioneers <laughs> the south indian ones are, they look at it more as a source of income a functional right yeah yeah it's functional and don't display too much sentimentality neither in the attitude towards the truck nor in the design so it is very <laughs> basic in mostly in south hey don't call us boring at <laughs> all <laughs> just like attitudes towards sure, the truck sure i mean uh, yeah i think this is um a very interesting thing to observe also right how it varies from region to region and uh, yeah. uh, i guess it's as you said it's tried a little bit to the region and uh, a little bit to the religion as well um, as you pointed mm. out so very interesting things i think a lot of things that we don't consider but yeah go on sorry to interject yeah so uh, after that uh, in sirind i stayed for a couple of days observed this and from there i moved on to towards the north towards mm. pathankot from pagwada mm. okay. so they also in the way i mixed with two or three truckers like whoever whoever i found they were going short distances he would drop me there then i would okay. find another so i reached pathan court and from pathan court to jammu and then jammu i saw okay now it is still another to all uh-huh. this process it right. was in april okay so uh-huh. the april may so the heat was in say in north sure. india at that time so all i wanted to do at that time was just somehow reach another just to uh-huh. escape the heat <laughs> because <laughs> being a month on the road and the heat was very cruel i can't imagine how yeah. truckers do in day in and day out like in the heat in the cold in the rain everything is uncomfortable on the road yeah. <laughs> definitely i mean we guys are spoiled for choices by uh, traveling with our acs on and full blast and everything but these guys uh, first of all they don't get to drive at very high speeds and over that the heat as you said it's uh, literally sweltering heat during um, those months right and especially yeah. in north india uh, so it's it's not easy it's not easy but yeah uh, go on dad so that pretty much uh, shrinagar was like the destination for your yeah, first I, leg right that, yeah that was the destination in my mind i have to reach shrinagar because i was also exhausted and i thought i have to reach there just to escape the heat i will like stay there for some days just to recuperate and then come uh-huh. back south to the plains okay. again uh-huh. <laughs> so so from jammu to shrinagar that was actually a very interesting leg of the journey okay. uh, because in the in kashmir there is a strain system like i mean it is necessary but uh, these trucks move in convoys okay right because the jammu srinagar kashmir is basically connected to india only one road if that one mm. road is gone kashmir valley is cut off from the rest of right. it right and that road we want deliver it like single lane so okay. if a single truck breaks down somewhere mm-hmm. there will be a jam for the next 3 4 kilometer Because right. you cannot even do anything. On the other side, there's like this whole ravine, like like whole cliff. If you fall, then there's nothing you can. You can't even move the truck anywhere. Yeah. This road is because of the condition of the road. These trucks move in convoy. Like one day they will go from Jammu to Srinagar. On the other day they will come back from Srinagar to Jammu, like that. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I went, they said, okay, like our we are not allowed to go. Our trucks will be going at midnight. Okay. from udhampur which is like around 80 90 kilometers from jammu okay uh-huh. then i hung around at the uh, transport nagar and then finally one guy said okay come let's go mm. Mm. i gratefully climbed <laughs> in <laughs> and then 
while we are going to Srinagar, I start seeing these people by the side of the road, like everywhere. They are everywhere looking for rides. And mm. I was I was wondering like, is this like sort of a thing in Kashmir like where you hitch rides with trucks? Because elsewhere I had not seen it. It was not mm. all there. So here, but everybody was eagerly, you know, saying, okay, can you please take me in? Then finally, mm. it, I came to realize that most of them are Gujars and Bakarwals. So, oh, okay. they are no, they are nomadic communities who still practice uh, this thing called transhumans. Okay, so uh-huh. this is basically the movement of entire flocks and families from the plains to the highlands in summer to escape right. the summer, and then when it's winter in in the highlands, they come down back to the plains. So when I was right. going, which was summer, this was mm-hmm. their time of move. Mm-hmm. So earlier they used to move on horseback, like they were all their goods would be transported on horseback. Now because you have trucks, they have started hitching rides on trucks. So eventually the truckers with me, they were like a retinue of four or five, okay. and they they soon took one party of goods in. So there were like mm. one couple, his the guy's cousin, one grandma, and like they had a goat with them. Mm. The goat also had a small kid, like its kid. Uh, mm. So the, these goats, uh, they take one goat with them so that uh, they can get all the dairy needs. Because since they are primarily pastoralists who right, right. graze sheep and goats, dairy is like an integral part of their diet. Without that, they cannot do. So they while tra- migrating, they also take one sheep or goat with them. They it extracts its milk during the journey. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting experience, right? To actually get a peek into the lives or the lifestyle of um, people who live along this route too, and um, it's it's also uh, I think very interesting to see that uh, some of these um, uh, I think how these practices or uh, the, the whole migration and in a way, right? Yeah. The transhumans that you said, um, how that has also kind of adapted to modern times, yeah. how they moved away from, um, say, horsebacks to now uh, hitching rides or um, rides with trucks, etc. So, uh, I think very interesting. Yeah. That, that, that must have been also very interesting learning from the journey. Yeah, certainly. I mean, one thing you realize when you encounter such things is that sitting in a metro city, like staring at my yeah. computer scene right now, we just cannot imagine that there are people who are leading lifestyles we cannot even begin yeah. to imagine like they're leading lifestyles which are like centuries old i mean it's right. literally nothing has changed for them like the modernity this computer smartphone like it's as if it has not arrived exactly. for them in a way yeah. and they are still so rooted in their traditional ways the government mm-hmm. is struggling to make them settle down okay because the government's job is that to make people settle down. It's there, and that is what they want, right? So that they have an address, they can access government schemes. But the extraordinary resistance, which is shown by yeah. uh, nomadic people who continue mm-hmm. to practice this very arduous lifestyle, you come to think yeah. of it. Because grazing a flock on the highways is like grazing flocks itself is not a joke. I mean, yeah. It is, and it's not five or ten, right? They go by the hundreds. Yeah, yeah. I think in a lot of cases. Two hundred will yeah. be there. Like in my journey, also, you will see everywhere. Mm. You will see like one, two or three small boys with like lattes yeah. in their hands. They will be uh, taking along the flocks of sheep, huge flocks. And I wonder yeah. how they do it because there's a, there are like trucks going around right by you. You have to imagine controlling like two hundred, three hundred creatures by yourself. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a, it's like a eye-opener that you realize that 
multiple centuries continue to coexist in india yeah while some parts of india are like islands of modernity like yeah. it's like in a sea of tradition in a way and throughout yeah. this journey that's what i realized that you move slightly like you move 200 places the place changes the people change the food changes and what we call india is you know it is just that a name actually people are leading wildly different lifestyles in different parts of the country that way our view of the world is or our view of india for that matter is very very limited and uh, i am glad you got these opportunities um uh, where was your next leg um, uh, so next leg i was i was in uh, northeast uh, dimapur so uh, dimapur is a extremely run down place like when i went there i was shocked by the total lack of civic apathy like mm. huge civic apathy and because the mm. roads are gone it means it's like a, it's very bad actually i have been across india but like that was especially bad i remember so from mm. there on but this is supposed to be like the commercial hub for the northeast really, right yeah. yeah i know i mean it is like the point uh, so the thing how the northeast works as far as transport is concerned is that dimapur is like the rail head okay it's the terminal right. so from various parts of the country you will get food rice potatoes all that so by by wire train and mm-hmm. then from the train you they will be loaded and marked into these trucks and then the truck mm-hmm. will go on to manipur and nagaland so that mm-hmm. is how it works but the main problem is the highway which leads from dimapur to imphal and onwards mm-hmm. to myanmar uh, near the border mm-hmm. with more so this highway right. is called ns 39 it's a a unique highway in a way in india because most of it it is controlled by insurgents essentially sure. so the mm-hmm. political economy of say nagaland and manipur is very strange and you, you won't believe it but it's like the insurgents are it's like a known presence everyone knows they are there even the government servants pay a part of their salary to the insurgent as you know this informal system of taxation every business pays some money off to them I mean you cannot mm-hmm. operate you cannot do your thing without their permission in a way so the truck drivers yeah. of course are also submit to it so this entire highway you will have random insurgent groups you won't even know who they are because there are so many of them like 30 40 insurgent groups with like various affiliations various motives they have carved up this territory the naga the naga naga hills and the manipur hills and so there will be one naga area there will be one kuki area so that is how this whole thing works so when i was setting out on this highway i was extremely apprehensive but yeah i thought i had to do this now that i am here so when i went from uh, dimapur to kohima that was very interesting because there were three truckers okay in the truck with me they were they traveled as a crew of three okay one of them was rahul boro like a boro uh, from assam a hindu boro okay right. one of them was uh-huh. mohammad who is a bengali okay. from assam and the third one was michael so it was like the walking <laughs> embodiments of secularism in india sure amar akbar antony <laughs> yeah so uh, that was very interesting at the same time they their backgrounds were so different one of them uh, the christian michael he was originally a tribal from jharkhand who whose mm. ancestors had been brought to uh, the assam tea gardens as laborers mm. he had grown up here so that was his case and between them they spoke like 11 languages wow. so that was mind blowing like the rahul boro he had trained under a, a sikh so he even spoke punjabi 
I was mind boggled. So he says, "I have, we have to know all these languages, otherwise we'll get slapped everywhere." <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think uh, yeah, that's a harsh reality, also, right? In uh, one way, yeah, that certainly is because they are very vulnerable to all kinds of extortion right? because they carry cash with them also. Right. So yeah, this journey was interesting. We saw thing is like it is such a confused scenario. You don't know who you're dealing with. Like they, we were stopped mm-hmm. in between a checkpoint and stuff. They extracted some money, but even the drivers did not exactly know who they were. And finally, we yeah. reached Kohima. From Kohima to Imphal was also interesting because there, one we met one drunk policeman, and he was insisting you come to our homes. And the policemen were very helpful actually in this whole mm-hmm. effort because we used to wait wait at checkpoints and stuff where we'll find some truck. The policemen would like go out of their way. to stop some truck and then order them to take them in while i told them you don't do that because then i don't want to start off on a note of like coercion right i mean, should do it of his own free will <laughs> but yeah. they were like often very over enthusiastic in like helping uh-huh. us get a truck <laughs> and that just to be clear it's not specifically that drunk policeman you're talking about right policeman in general you're saying went out of the way no yeah policeman in general that drunk policeman was totally useless <laughs> then yeah and th- this is by the way the fact when nagaland is actually under prohibition so right. even right. then you have uh, a drunk policeman roaming around so that is a kind of law and order situation also you're talking about yeah from there i think uh, we can move on to uh, south india that would be Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, this like also was a, um, I think, complete eye opener in the sense that uh, it's not just the, I think, the vehicular risks or the dangers that these drivers are facing, right? It's so much more than that. Like as you said, uh, a lot of these insurgent groups, like they have to, the drivers, yeah. the truckers have to deal with them on the way. So that's also a risk to life, right? A yeah. r- real risk to life. Actually, it's it's not uh, as uh, simple as say dealing with a corrupt RTO official. It's yeah. completely different. You're r- literally risking your lives passing through. this road so a completely different chapter um i think in both a good way and a bad way like in one in one place you show about the i think the symbol of secularism that um, it depicts and um, also like in one way the beautiful places right in north india Certainly. that are so that those are the good parts and at the same time there's these real um, threats and dangers that they face in terms of uh, uh, insurgency or um, other i mean roads are really they seem to be a small part of the problem at this time right, right? yeah moving on from uh, this leg to your south india leg i'm uh, hoping for uh, a smoother journey but uh, tell us how it was yeah south india was very i mean a totally different experience from north india and northeast uh, uh-huh. because actually i went a couple of years after my north india trip so by then okay. some changes had happened in the economy also like gst had come in for one So right, this right. So this uh-huh. completely changed the game for truck drivers. It was like right. they were the one who were impacted by it the most in many ways. So in a good way or a bad way? I mean, uh, I mean, theoretically speaking, all those uh, long lines at the checkpost should have disappeared, right? Because of this move, uh, was that the yeah, case? Yeah, I mean, it, it has it did help a lot. Undoubtedly, uh, okay. most of the drivers said their waiting times have come down drastically. So uh, it was mm-hmm. a very good move. Like on like earlier on borders, we would be stuck in like a long line. But when right. I went to South India after GST, it was like I couldn't see a single truck. Like we just waltzed into another state very smoothly. Mm. So yeah, it the route was uh, interesting. Like Andhra especially was an eye opener. I I mean I had not explored that state too much. Mm. But this time I explored the whole coast. 
I mean, you think of South India sometimes as this one homogenous mass, no? But like every state is. <laughs> I mean, that is unfortunately the perception. Spoke like a true North Indian or. <laughs> oh, I'm actually. I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> so I am from yeah. Karnataka. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. My my native place is in Karnataka, by the way. So oh, I was okay. just no. I was I was just pulling your leg, but uh, yeah. I mean, this is um, always been a little bit of a stereotype, also, right? That uh, Madrasi. That's how a lot of South Indians are termed. But yeah, uh, your observations. Go yeah. on, please. So uh, in Andhra, the first thing was I really got a glimpse of the kind of systematic corruption that happens in this uh, transport industry. So uh, Andhra is. essentially connected to bengal in many ways like the most of the truckers go to bengal and assam sure. so mm-hmm. andhra is apparently india's largest fish producer fish and prawns all right. that yep. so yep. from there you move most of these truckers carry this kacha mal fish eggs all that to assam and bengal but the mm-hmm. kind of uh, systematic corruption that uh, exists is that they have to pay so there is there is an entire system of dalals which has come up okay so these dalals will give you a phone number and you message your gaadi number before you are due to arrive and then he will ensure that you are not bribed you are not extorted from like the police or rt officials they do not uh, extort money from you and you have to only give 300 rupees a fixed charge of 300 rupees per message so that is how mm. the system has come up because the kind of money the police wala will charge is you cannot predict it you can't just thousand right, right. because you can trump up any charge because the rule of the list of laws is so huge you will find that he is in violation of some or the other law <laughs> so extorting money is like just a game of you know which law you choose to charge him under so to avoid all this uncertainty this whole ecosystem of dalals has come up especially in bengal which is a huge menace because they hate it every at every checkpoint there will be one dalal whom they have to message so this kind of thing was uh, revealed to me in vijayawada then coming down south and another unique thing of andhra which i didn't know was the huge hanuman statues which are everywhere okay so anywhere you go at intermittently like 1 km you're done you will find this gigantic hanuman statue it's like they sort of some sort of competition mm. the biggest hanuman <laughs> statue and they are beautiful massive and everywhere so i didn't know that hanuman was revered to that extent in andhra i Main. Yeah, I think um, his origins. Are, I mean, he's believed to have been born in Hampi, but that's in Karnataka. Yeah. Even I'm a little intrigued about uh, the, the the phenomena you found in Andhra. Um, that was very. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but while it produces the largest amount of fish, I couldn't find any fish. Like it is not part <laughs> of the cuisine. Like there, you will find these nice chicken biryanis, like, amazing chicken biryanis, like Andhra yeah. style. So on the highways yeah. we used to mostly have that. I was on the lookout for fish everywhere, but no, mm-hmm. I failed. <laughs> Very interesting. And uh, yeah, the your point about the Texavi Dalals also, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it also shows like as you move uh, southward, uh, I think the corruption it persists, but it becomes a little more uh, Texavi, I guess. Yeah, right? you could say that <laughs> because you know by this time when I went the first time, it was at that time hardly a single trucker had a smartphone. Okay. But two years right. later, I I could see the change. Uh-huh. Literally, every trucker has a, a smartphone. He's sending the photo of the mall on WhatsApp to his owner, 
and he is like chatting on facebook i have many facebook friends who are truckers right now because they all added me i also <laughs> added them so this whole yeah. social change also you can see how the technology begins to intervene even among the lower classes it's assumed huge proportions and the truck like i told you the truckers are decently paid like 15000 20000 they can hurt right. to afford a smartphone and it's so useful yeah. for them mainly right so, and uh, thanks to jio now it's even more affordable totally. right so that phenomenon you know where the trucker like one guy is driving other guy is like going through facebook <laughs> so i thought okay like now i'm back among my own <laughs> like someone is like <laughs> scrolling through a smartphone <laughs> last time i had gone it was you know like totally tech free experience in many ways more yeah. but this time i felt that whole change very interesting and uh, so where did your um, south india like lead you to from here from andhra yeah, so from andhra yeah, i went to bangalore then tamil nadu tamil nadu was also okay. a very interesting like madurai went salem all of these places are very interesting you know like for example in salem i found out from the truck driver that mm-hmm. salem is the largest producer of sabudana in india so because oh, wow. all of the truck drivers i asked okay what are you transporting you say sabudana i was like mm. okay what is the deal here so apparently some guy in the 1940s from salem mm-hmm. during uh, the world war 2 he found that there was a shortage of this mm. it's basically tapioca gum okay which is right. extracted and made into sabudana so some guy mm-hmm. has set up an industry and now it's like the largest producer of sabudana in india the one city mm. so in tamil nadu through my interactions with the truckers i found of this curious phenomenon of these clusters okay so one city will be known for say sabudana which is salem and then you will have sivakasi may you will have matchsticks and fireworks sure then tiruchendur you will have uh, truck bodies not bodies just they are called mm-hmm. uh, the uh, trucks which bore uh, holes into the machine big bore wells right right bore well rigs that tiruchendur is like the largest maker so like there are these mm-hmm. few places in tamil nadu and across tamil nadu which specialize right. in this one big interesting manufacturing item and dominated across the country so i at that point i thought that this is a very useful model which could be applied to the rest of india also where sure. you build these clusters and because industrial development happens that you know where you have economies of scale it is difficult to replicate certainly yep. but like this kind of effort is made because like so many people across india have skills okay like we call them yep. unskilled like this is that is one term i have come to detest like mm-hmm. anybody who is not working in an office sitting on his computer is unskilled <laughs> like right so that whole characterization itself is flawed because it ignores the many skills people have i felt mm-hmm. totally useless on it on my truck trips like i didn't know how to change the tire i didn't know anything i was like the useless exactly i mean uh, a lot of us city folks for that matter right uh, we lack a lot of these life skills because yeah. we've been come up in these uh, little shells right like we we are uh, so i mean protected most of our lives that we fail to pick up a lot of these life skills we might be the ones who struggle most if um, we move out of that comfort zone and uh, we it's ironic that we call them the unskilled or the informal sector right uh, it's, it's it's sad actually it's very derogatory and uh, uncalled for actually i mean they, they should at least come up with a better name <laughs> i think yeah so <laughs> then finally i reached kanyakumari after mm-hmm. many trips in between with various interesting workers which i will write about in my book like which i am actually so yeah we will definitely touch upon that uh, i mean uh, this episode i think serves like a primer for uh, what's coming up and uh, uh, i would i would urge all of our listeners to um, definitely follow up and uh, we will make sure to include all details but we'll definitely touch upon that um, sure, towards sure, yeah. the end so so yeah so kanyakumari i reached and that was like a kind of 
very interesting moment in this entire trip. like the place itself has a certain romance right like the southern most tip of india especially when you traveled all this way <laughs> then you realize right. okay this is where it ends and then the interesting bit is like when you stare out into the ocean from kanyakumari mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. next landmass you are going to encounter is antarctica so yep. it's basically this one vast ocean you're looking at and it itself has, evokes like various feelings in you so and it's gorgeous the entire complex the tiruvalluvar statue it's sure. very gorgeous from tamil nadu from kanyakumari then i headed towards kerala kerala was a totally different state in a way because it is ridiculously difficult to find a truck to hitch in in mm. kerala okay. the problem is it is a very narrow state and a very densely populated one at that so all the highways will be two lane okay matlab basically single sure. lane highways like small you won't yep. even know it's a highway so because because of the land problem land acquisition is so ridiculously difficult no government will ever dare to embark on a, a program of road expansion so the roads <laughs> are just like as they are like two two lane and because of that truck drivers don't stop they won't stop because mm. if they stop then there's a traffic jam so there's this yep. and plus you don't even see too many trucks actually it somehow like more of a hub and spoke model is followed so because that the highway it was very difficult to find a truck i found barely some so most of that i did by a bus or whatever i mean however because it was and plus the language was also some issue i had a friend but it was very difficult to find someone so kerala was largely uneventful in that sense but eventful in many other ways because it's a gorgeous <laughs> okay. state so the all the toddy shops i mean the local color like every place has this uh, local color no so in kerala the most interesting yeah. thing i found was that they call toddy shop just a shop so if you say a <laughs> shop that means like it's a toddy shop and, and and all the alcohol shops there are called like beverage store beverage uh. so that's how they you know, like all these nuances which are typical to every state hey that's the most literate state of all yeah, <laughs> yeah so that was pretty interesting kerala mm-hmm. and after that i went to karnataka my native place i took a, a short break in okay hi fi karnataka yeah. so, <laughs> my native village is in uttar kannada which is near goa okay. i stayed there for a couple of days then hitched one ride from there to goa which was like some 100 kilometers there also the policemen were be eager to help me <laughs> please mm. someone stopping <laughs> random truckers asking them so i yeah, finally reached goa and from goa then i came to mumbai oh my god that's been like literally a ro- roller coaster of a ride and uh, yeah i think it's uh, filled with various even emotions right for that matter um, going through these different places and uh, i think that's in one way seeing the real india also right uh, because it's so different in, uh, in different places and uh, especially going out with truckers you literally get behind the scenes um, compared to say if you'd gone on a bike you'd probably st- you'd see a lot of this but again you'd still be in your own shell in one yeah. way i mean they are the they are the original inhabitants of the road right every we, we are all just passing through when we are on a road whereas they are they are the ones who live there who negotiate all the curve balls that it you know tends to throw at you highways are like you will have some policemen waiting there your car your truck will break down how to negotiate all these things where to sleep how to ne- look for safety where you sleep how do you know whether a place is safe all these tricks you learn so it's like their domain absolutely as you said uh, if they're spending 8 months of the year on the road it 
um, I think it's not wrong to call it home. So um, you're right in that they are the real inhabitants of the road. And uh, it was a wonderful experience just by listening to all of it. And um, I can only imagine um, the uh, different emotions that you might have gone through literally living this journey. Uh, but yeah, uh, tell us tell us a little bit more about uh, your upcoming book and um, what you're planning to do with it, Rajat. Yeah, so uh, I, my book is coming out later this year, uh, published mm-hmm. by Simon & Schuster. And right. yeah, so in this book, I'll be covering mainly my experiences in more detail and I'm exploring various aspects such as, you know, sex on the highways, all these things which people usually don't know about and but which keeps happening and overloading is another huge issue which I'm exploring because overloading of trucks is like the biggest killer on Indian roads and it is an sure. unacknowledged one. I mean, so mm-hmm. how to address this problem? What is the root of the problem through that more it's a travelogue essentially but i will be exploring mm-hmm. these facets uh, through my narrative and apart from that i'll be covering say the entire geography whatever i have traveled my experiences in kashmir northeast south india so yeah it's a overall i'm making intending it to be a breezy read which is at the same mm-hmm. time uh, informative about the history as well as the economy and culture i think that's a brilliant initiative Rajat and we eagerly look forward to this book of yours and uh, I can um, safely say at this point that uh, we will uh, get our hands on the book as soon as it's out and uh, for our listeners we'll also give away a copy of the book uh, as soon as it's out so we'll keep you posted listeners and uh, Rajat too uh, as to when this happens and um, on that note I would um, like to thank you very much and uh, close this interview but we look out we eagerly wait um, your book so that uh, we can get a better view a more detailed view about uh, the lives of these truckers who are uh, the lifeline of India in, in one way thank you so much Arjun. thank you so much sir that was yet another great episode of the Vasafir Stories if you guys like the show please subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts Audio Boom, Savan, Pocket Casts, Castbox, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app available on iOS or Android. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in the show's discoverability. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We go by the handle The Musafir Stories. Or, if it suits you, you could email us at themusafirstories at gmail.com or visit our website at www.themusafirstories.com for more information. All of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode. So here's to more traveling, sharing and inspiring. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, happy travels and goodbye. He learned to pitch in your backyard. Now his team's coming over to celebrate their high school championship. So you need to patch those bare spots fast. Pennington One Step Complete has a revolutionary formula that repairs bare spots in only two weeks or less. Pennington's been trusted since 1945, and now it works even faster. One Step Complete from Pennington. Honest Green. Get your lawn ready for any occasion. One Step Complete is available at the Home Depot.